So hey folks, welcome back to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast, the Making Quarantine Juicy series. You know, this intention for this series is to bring a source of hope, love, insight, and laughter for people in these uncertain times. So here's Crazy Juicy Love, Making Quarantine Juicy. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I have my guy, Rich Heller. Hey. Uh, yes, Mr. Conflict Coach here. How you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm going through some conflicts. <laughs> Listen, we all are, and we're learning how to manage those conflicts. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So before you say all that, like, tell people who you are and what you do, and, and who do you serve. So my name is Rich Heller, and who am I? I am someone who grew up in a high conflict environment in my home and outside of my home, and so needed to learn to deal with conflict. And at some point in my life, I just decided I really wanted to embrace it and learn about it, about conflict. And, and I don't mean necessarily a constant explosion like PTSD conflict, I just mean when people disagree or when demands are being made of you that you don't want to be made there's inevitably some form of conflict and so that's what i'm talking about here and as a result the work that i do today is with people who couples who are in conflict and want to figure out how to communicate and transform their relationship into whatever that means for them whether it's uh further apart or closer together and also in organizations where there's conflict of some kind might be a family business where the family is getting more important than the business that kind of thing or it, it could be anything that's that's what i do yes who i am and what i do that's who he is rich heller so how you doing like how are you in the midst of all of this stuff well, how you doing jimmy first it's great to see you great to see you too yeah. <laughs> it's been a while yeah, it has. It is really good to see you. I, I am so fond of you. It's uh, we, we should hang out in person when this is all over sometime. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, if, it, it's ever, if it's ever over. And I think that's like what's going on. Is like everyone, uh, we're like seven weeks into this or whatever it's been. And things are getting bubbly and juicy. <laughs> yeah. And when we first started, I think I and most people thought, well, this will probably be over soon. And now, or actually, I knew it wouldn't be over soon, but I think I hoped it would be secretly. Yeah. And now it's getting very real that this right. is going to be our life for some time to come. And whatever is cooking under the pressure cooker is starting to come out. And for, right. for me, just like everyone else. Right. As in, you know, when it first started, I was I so hesitated to watch the pandemic. Uh, Netflix documentary was just like, I, but it kept calling to me. It's like, I learned so much um, by watching that whole thing, like knowing what I'm, I've been thrown into. Uh, and there's another episode Oprah did in 2006. He also was talking about like uh, the pandemic. There's another pandemic coming, and like, what should we do? And I was like, wow, 2006, like all these calculations. But anyway, like, yeah, I'm like learning how to deal with myself and anxiety and stuff mm -hmm. you know that that bubbling up stuff is coming to the surface you know yeah. so yeah what yeah, go, and like, what goes on for anyone living together whatever kind of relationship they're having is 
any area that they've been avoiding or looking the other way on starts becoming glaringly obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know a couple of ex- experiencing that right now. Yeah, and how we manage that decides what's going to happen with that relationship, whatever it is, whether it's roommates or lovers or uh, children and parents or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, for me, it's like having a conversation with my roommates, like we need to learn, we need to clean more because now that we're home, you obviously see like who does more cleaning than the other person. And you're like, we got to have a conversation. Otherwise this is going to like drive us crazy or drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just simply cleaning, you know? Uh, So anyway, so, you know, let's talk, let's dive into it. what, What do you have for us? Well, I have tips, tips. You know, let me frame this first. Mm. I hate giving tips. Don't you want to ask me why? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's rewind. Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm being a putz. I hate giving tips. And the reason I hate giving tips is because the kinds of, the kinds of, conflict or differences that come up under these circumstances are not necessarily little cuts that can be covered over with a band-aid mm. sometimes they're really old old wounds that require outside help or focused attention and a tip is kind of like oh you have an artery open here's a tip let's just put a band-aid on it mm. And so my problem with tips, I, and actually I love tips. I love giving tips because when you're the tip giver, you look so smart, <laughs> right? But if you're yeah. the tip receiver and you go, oh, thank you for this Band-Aid, but it, it doesn't quite, it doesn't fit, yeah. you know, eventually you say, what a moron that guy was. It comes back and it's bad for everyone. Yeah. So I'm going to share some, ch- some tips, but for the listeners, beware. If you have a bleeding artery and this is a Band-Aid, it may not work for you. All right. That, yeah. <laughs> let, us, let, us, let us have it. Okay. So for anyone under these circumstances in any kind of relationship, the first step is always to prioritize. And inevitably what happens, like the situation you were just talking about, how annoyed are you? I, well, I, I'm not annoyed anymore, but I was every day. I like I could see like little things, like like little coffee grains, a little stuff stay on the floor, and it's like you know. Then I start to like act. And I started to what what I started to do. I stopped cleaning to see to make sure to see like uh-huh. is this person doing like I yeah. like like maneuvering like oh my god like this person just <laughs> start doing all this like crazy stuff like I'm losing my mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's what that's what people do. They they start scheming and they want to make sure that they're what they're seeing is real, and it gets very emotionally intense. And so the first thing is to prioritize. And so in the case of we need to clean more, depending on the kind of relationship, where does that fit in your world of priorities? Now, if two people are living in a space and it's getting really dirty. It could be a very high priority. Yeah. If there's other things going on, it might not be as important as you think. So first is prioritize. Or 
um, sharing an example that's really common with the people that I'm working with, not so much about cleaning. A lot of the people I'm working with are struggling with how do I get my 40 hours in, get his or her 40 hours in, and take care of everything else. And so very often the priority is work, family, being whoever's in your immediate space, and self comes last, if at all. And if they're married, there should be a fourth priority, which is partner, you know, my partner, right? So then the, usually part, my partner drops off completely. So reprioritizing might look like self first, right? If I don't take care of myself, I can't show up at work 100%. I can't show up for my partner 100%. I can't show up for my family 100%. I, I can't clean the house properly even, right? If you're, if you're not resting enough and you're cleaning, you miss things, mm, yeah. for example. So if you're not taking care of yourself, it's harder to perform better. So self always needs to come first. It doesn't mean it's the first thing you have to do, but it means you always need to make time for self. You always need to make sure you're eating, resting, uh, doing whatever um, practices you have for your mind and spirit and body, whatever they are. All that stuff's got to be taken care of or you're not going to be 100%. Once you're 100%, Usually what's going to come next is relationships of some kind and work is going to be last. That doesn't mean it's going to be the last thing you do. It means it's going to be the first thing that you, that where, if you're going to cut something, you're going to cut from there. Yeah. Uh, and so when people are in conflict in home, it's the same process though. What's really important here? You know, right. I, and so I'm sure that when you and your roommate started talking about cleaning up, it was, you were careful about it. Oh, I, yeah, I was very, very careful because it was like, I, one, I had to like always check in with myself. Like, okay, how am I doing today? Am I okay, okay to have this conversation with him? Because I didn't, not like I was like, I think he's a really nice guy. Uh, it is me, the one who, I'm the one who's annoyed with it. And I don't want to come from that place of being annoyed. So I had to like prioritize or manage my, my energy and how I'm speaking or the place I'm coming from. Right. Um, and then be able to like bring it up. And then it was like, oh, okay, yeah. Then it was just like, boom, that weekend, clean the whole thing. And now we're like back in this sort of rhythm of cleaning properly again. So, yeah. So we, you know, we prioritize by whatever values we have. Maybe the value is really is work, you know, family, self. I don't know, but I think most people get that they got to take care of themselves. So that I'm like, I don't get a lot of pushback on that. And what you just brought up is the second part which is managing our own triggers. So yeah. when, we're, when we're in the pressure cooker, it's a lot easier to be triggered by that coffee grain or that sock or uh, what couples do a lot is they'll fight over the cap on the toothpaste or something ridiculous, but it, it represents something else to them. And so uh, that, whatever that thing is, it's triggering, It's triggering a hot butt point or a button that was that, that was created when you were younger in another circumstance, and maybe reacting that way really worked back then, and you still have it, but it's not working for you now. So you, it's recognizing, oh yeah, I've got a trigger here that leaving the cap off the toothpaste or people being messy or mm -hmm. somebody working all the time is a real trigger for me, and how can I communicate with this person without? Without the reaction being much bigger than the situation. Yeah. Um, so trigger management very often is about, well, let me ask you, 
how did you how did you manage your trigger under those situations? How you had some feeling, but you said yourself uh, you you were managing your reaction. How did you how did you do that? Um, well, I would ask myself some questions. Like it depends on what it was. Like, is this really important right now? Is this really worth addressing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and am I in a place to address this <laughs> right now? Um, and I said, like, well, how can I approach this without like knocking on his door and saying, hey, we need to talk about cleaning. Like, how can I? We need to talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and that's that's triggering for me, that whole we need and to I'm talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like asking myself a series of questions. Um, and I was like, well, maybe I'll just check in. Like, I have, we haven't, he's been, we both been locking our rooms doing things. I was like, well, I'll, I'll check in, genuine check in and see how he's doing. Because we barely see each other, even though we live in the same apartment. I was like, let me check in. And then that sort of like created the space of like me to like just say, hey, you know, I noticed these things are happening. Um, what can we, I said, what can we do in order to maintain this cleanliness? Because it's, we're going, I don't know, we don't know how long we're going to be. So I had to like make sure I'm like using words like what we, what can we do? How can yeah. we get on a schedule? And so it's not like me pointing a finger, but because it's me too, like I live here and I make messes too. So it's like, bringing the we conversation inside the very conversation. cool very cool so can i work with that example sure <laughs> so you manage your trigger by thinking your way through it right you, you thought all right i'm having this feeling but like what is it what is it i really want to create and that's an example of uh, triggers are all about our going back to brain science right we have uh we have our survival brain which is called the amygdala and it sits kind of right on top of our spine and the rest of our brain wraps around it. And our amygdala's job is to make sure it's safe. Is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? And that's (laughs) the part that's always talking. And it's saying, oh God, look at that. I can't believe that. That's just gonna get worse and worse and worse. Or maybe it's looking back and said, saying, ah, you remember when that happened? Boy, that could really come back to get us, right? That when we're having those back in time related, not present moment related internal conversations, that's the amygdala chattering at us. Yeah. And it's really useful. Like if you're in the jungle and you don't want to be eaten by a bear, right? <laughs> amygdala is a good thing to have. But if you're trapped in an apartment or a home with your loved ones, it gets a little sketchier there. Yeah. Unless you know, you're living with somebody who's really dangerous, which most of us, thank God, are not. And so you escaped your amygdala by thinking it through, which took you to another part of your brain, your cerebral cortex. That's the part that reasons. And so the second that you can look at that feeling, oh, God, this is really annoying me. What am I going to do about that? Instead of, oh, this is really bothering me. I'm going to go take care of that now. Yeah. Right? The difference <laughs> is you know, when you think it through, you're not riding your amygdala. You're going to another place in your brain. And then you can do what you did, which was you kept your eyes on the prize. right? And the prize was how are we going to live together while this is going on without killing each other right? <laughs> or, uh, or if, or in a positive, how are we going to live together while this is going on and feel good about it? Yeah. Cause like, yeah, it's, it's like, exactly. Cause like, we don't know how long this whole quarantine thing is going to be. And it's like, okay, I want to live in a place of like harmony. I don't want to be fighting and not like avoiding each other. Like I exactly like, what is it, what is, what is it that I want to create with this person and who I'm living with, you know? And couples can do that too. 
Yeah. So, um, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And when we're triggered, the hardest part is keeping our eyes on the prize. When yeah. we're triggered is also when we fail to prioritize. Maybe managing triggers should be first. Right. But it's a little sketchy because sometimes we fail to prioritize because we're really sure that what we're doing is vitally important. You know, when work becomes primary, what we tell ourselves is, well, I got to make money to pay for all this. Yeah. You know, and so that's not always about being triggered. That's just about our thinking getting a little crooked. Right. And I'll I tell you one thing that also helped like me breathing a lot, taking deep breaths, because I was learning from this neuroscience person. He was like, you know, when you're taking deep breaths, help you get out of that, you know, amygdala brain and get you back into the thinking brain. So I like really taking deep breaths between the way I was feeling mm -hmm. so I can like go back to like asking myself those questions. And it really helped to go through those steps that we just talked about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. May I share some trigger management tools with you and your audience? Oh, uh, sure. Go ahead. Love to. I, I love trigger management tools because I have come out of being one of the most triggered people on the planet to being an almost, almost untriggerable at times. Um, like I love trigger management. So first thing is what you just talked about is getting back in your body. When we're triggered, we like check out of our bodies. So what you just said, <laughs> breathing is really good. Also being tactile, touching, touching the ground, you know, rolling your tongue around in the inside of your mouth, anything that sort of gets you back in your body. Hmm. Uh, a technique that I read about recently that actually works, I can't believe it, is to take my glasses off of this so everyone sees, take a deep breath, let it out and blink three times. One, two, three. I mean like hardcore blinking. And apparently that sends a message to your subconscious mind that it's safe. Because if you were hmm. in the jungle, right, and you felt scared, you would never take a deep breath and blink because you might get your head taken off by the bear. Oh my God, yeah, I've heard, that's been in movies that they say blink three times if you, if you feel safe and you do it three times. Well, study's been done that shows that actually works. And then of course, wow. there's mindfulness practices and prayer and meditation, and those all take you to your cerebral cortex also in di slightly different ways depending on which one you're talking about. And long-term studies show that when people have a daily or at least five days a week practice of some kind, mindfulness meditation or prayer and prayer, it could be all of them, it could be one of them, that their amygdala actually shrinks. Doesn't go away, don't worry, you always need it, it's always there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's always and your there. cerebral cortex gets bigger. Mm. So your cerebral cortex becomes more dominant and, the, and you're less likely to be triggered when you have that going on. Yeah, wow, okay, yeah. That's why, you know, majority of these successful people are doing those kind of practices and they're not really triggered by all these things, what's going on and what's online and blah, blah, blah. That practice, that routine is very important um, to stay grounded and open and, 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 and in flow. Yeah. And for a lot of people, those practices help them also keep their eyes on the prize. I right. Mean, for, yes. For people who are into prayer, they're, they're maybe they're praying affirmatively you know, to, uh, you know, uh, they're maybe they're thanking whoever they're talking to for uh, having a household that's harmonious and clean um, and where everyone is respectful and caring of one another. And, yeah. but you know, what that does is it, whether there's a third party listening or not, it's also a form of self hypnosis mm. where you are reaffirming to yourself 
that's this is what's important to me. You're reforming to your unconscious mind that 85 or 90 percent that's under the ocean that we don't that we only see when it pops out in strange ways. Um, you know, where we're letting it know, hey, what's really important here is this. Mm, wow. Um, and there are meditation practices that now that involve uh, what they call manifesting. And manifesting is the same idea, though, where you visualize um, what kind of, you visualize a household that's harmonious and respectful. It's the same concept. Mm -hmm. And our studies show that our brain does not know the difference between what we imagine and what we experience as real. So if you're imagining that household, you're actually experiencing it and coming from that place. Or if you're praying for that household, you're still imagining it and experiencing it as it might be. And you're more likely to behave in a way that is conducive to that kind of household. Wow. I love that. I Isn't love that, that crazy? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it just makes so much sense of all the things I've been studying. And uh, another coach, her name is Lisa Nichols. Like she even starts off with like, I remember this exercise, like imagining my dream home and experiencing what it's like, what it smells like, like the room, like it felt so yeah. real. Yeah. Like you, then my actions start to, what do I need to do in order to make that happen? You know, to, to, to actualize that whole thing. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. Yeah. And you know, sometimes we get a little stuck on, is this like, is it magical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we yeah. visualize it, does it make it come into being? And well, that may be, it may not. But what we do know for sure is that the more that we that we behave in a way that's in sync with what we're visual, what we what we want in our lives, the more mm -hmm. likely that we are to be open to that. It's that mm -hmm. thing of uh, you know when you're driving down the road and you only see Volkswagens. You know, for some reason you're only seeing Volkswagens, or maybe you're only seeing maybe you're only seeing Hondas. You know, it, because for whatever reason you're. Uh, your brain is is cued into to blocking out everything but that. So when we're focusing on the way that we want life to be, we're more likely to see how to get there. Mm. We're more likely to see if we want an Audi or a Volkswagen or a Hyundai, you're more likely to see it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. All right, <clears throat> thank you so much for all that, Rich. It was so, I think I learned a lot from you, always learned a lot from you. Um, so our magical question, <laughs> what is it that you're learning about yourself, life, and love in this present moment? Oh, what is it that I'm learning about myself, life, and love? Um, what I'm learning about myself is that as much as I want to change the people around me, the only way to have what I want is to work, do the work my, on the inside. Like I cannot change the people around me. I, I, I'm also in a pressure cooker and the, I, the lesson I am learning is there's only one person who can shift and grow here and that's mm. me. And when I do that, the people around me will adjust to that. That's uh, hey. what was the rest of the question. That, 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 that's Is it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's all going to be better it doesn't mean right. it's all going to be wonderful but but it does mean that the only way out is through is through yeah <laughs> it's uh, not I, by I, trying to change jimmy or you know anyone else it's like it's it's an inside job and i've been saying that but man am i experiencing that right now yeah i think a lot of people are oh my goodness well where can people find you online 
who would want to buy me? <laughs> to work with right. you. So, yes, <laughs> if, if you're an individual who's in a high conflict relationship, or if you're a couple that's in conflict, or if you're having, uh, you're probably not in an office in conflict right now. That's the good news about this. It, you can find me at richinrelationship.com, R I C H I N R E L A T I O N S H I P.com. I need a, like a shorter, maybe it needs to be RIR.com, but right now it's richinrelationship.com. <laughs> and Thank also, you. Um, you can find me at Rich in Relationship on Facebook. You can find me as Richard Heller on LinkedIn. And you can find me at Rich in Relationship on instagram yes awesome well thank you so much so thank you thank you so much rich i can't talk now um just for being here and giving this wonderful and awesome uh advice for people in this current moment thank you so much thank you for sharing so freely and giving me <laughs> this great example through my three tips and for uplifting me in the process yeah it, it this worked out so well with my <laughs> <laughs> my situation while you're describing. That's so great. Anyway, yeah. thank you, man. All right. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. And if you really like this podcast, please share it. Twitter, Instagram, or on your webpage. Thank you. Crazy Juicy Love.